630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, so the Oilers skating today at Rogers Place. Nugent Hopkins up there with McDavid and Cassian. Athanasiu gets to be with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. Caleb Jones did not skate with the main group, unfit to practice. That's a term we're going to get used to. And, of course, defenseman Mike Green has opted out. He will not take part in the NHL's restart. We've known for a while that it's going to be the Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks in the qualifying round. We know that they will play August 1st, 3rd, and 5th. And if needed, on August 7th for Game 4 and August 8th for Game 5, we do not yet know the start times, but we finally have some dates, and the games will be in Edmonton at Rogers Place. And to discuss more from a Chicago point of view, their play-by-play voice, it is the one and only John Weidman. John, you're on with Reed. Good to talk to you again, sir. How's life been for you before we dive into all the hockey talk? Hope you've been okay. Well, thanks for having me on, Reed. For first of all, and uh, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you asking me that. Life's been good. I, I have no complaints. It's been um, a little boring at times, obviously, since the shutdown of the NHL around March 11th. But uh, you know, all in all, I, I am not going to complain about anything. I'm one of the fortunate ones. I know that there are people out there who have have had a, a terrible time with this situation. Some people have lost family members. And my heart goes out to them for sure. And uh, you know, I would just, I would just hope that everybody will continue to stay safe and uh, make sure that we get through this a okay. We get back to playing hockey the way we normally do, and have spectators in the building that can actually sit next to one another, uh, the way it was before everything came to an end. Yeah, that's that's the ultimate goal for sure to to get back to this where uh, we can actually have fans in the stands. Don't know if we're going to see that during this tournament, but maybe when we get into uh, next season in November or December. I want to go off topic on another question, just with someone who uh, who lives and works in Chicago. Did you watch the uh, last dance last dance documentary on Jordan and the Bulls dynasty? And if so, what were your impressions? Yeah, I did. I think we watched, uh, my son and I, uh, I think we watched all 10 episodes. Um, And there were some things that came out during those 10 episodes about his career that kind of made me sit back and go, hmm, I didn't know that. Uh, But, you know, I I think that if you were to take Michael Jordan's great career and really chronicle it, I think you're going to be looking at far more than 10 episodes uh, because he did an awful lot in his lifetime and in his career. And um, so, yeah, he's he's definitely a Chicago sports icon. He's a guy that uh, I think he's he's a bit of a yardstick in a way that uh, other athletes coming into the city of Chicago uh, could try and compare themselves to, but good luck with that. I mean, he's possibly one of the top 10 athletes of all time. So great show. Okay. So here's, here's the question for you then. Who's the second most popular Chicago athlete of all time. I'm going to assume MJ's <laughs> number one. So I'll just ask you to go straight to number two. <laughs> wow. That's uh, boy. You're really holding my feet to the fire there. I mean, a couple of people come to mind. Um, Dick Butkus comes to mind from the Chicago Bears. I mean, he was an icon. He, he only he had a shortened career. His, his career was only, I think, about nine or ten years long. Gail Sayers is another one that comes to mind. Uh, same era as uh, Dick Butkus. Um, 
you know, you, you think about the 85 Bears. You think about a guy like Jim McMahon, who, you know, Walter Payton. My God, how did I ever forget Walter? Um, and from the hockey side, I mean, you've got a couple of great choices. Stan Makita, the Golden Jet, Bobby Hall. You've got Johnny Taves. You've got Patrick Kane. Um, obviously, there's a few others in there. From the baseball side, guys, it's, that's going to be a hard one for me because the Cubs didn't have any success, really, uh, as far as the championship is concerned until just a few years ago. And as far as the White Sox are concerned, they won in 2005 and since then haven't been back. So that would be a tough one for me to pick somebody out of that realm. But you know, the guys I mentioned, I guess those are the guys I'd throw in there. Well, I can tell you, William the Refrigerator Perry had the best nickname, if it was just nicknames. I mean, the fridge, I mean, like, that says it all. Yeah, aside from the aside from the best appetite, you bet. That's uh, definitely the best nickname, you bet. <laughs> well, great to catch up with you. Let's dive into some Blackhawks storylines. We'll start with uh, with Corey Crawford, the goaltender for the team, who, uh, you know, has been the, the, the backstop there for several years and is a champion himself. What's the story with Crawford? Well, it's a good place to start, I think, because if you look at Corey Crawford's career, if you you see that you've got a guy there who, um, when he first joined the Blackhawks, he actually played a game for the Blackhawks in the 2005-06 season. It was in relief, uh, but that was his first debut. That was his first year debuting in the NHL, and he didn't really get back until the 2007-08 season for one game. It was a shutout over Anaheim and then we didn't see him again for you know a couple of years and it, it was like you know what's what's gonna what's going on with this kid why isn't this kid able to you know come up and and take a starting job in the National Hockey League well he he plied his trade patiently in Rockford in the American Hockey League and after the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup in 2010 the San Jose Sharks put the Blackhawks in a real precarious position. They tendered Nicholas Jalmerson an offer sheet of $4 million a year. So Doug Wilson, who was the general manager of the Sharks, he knew that the Blackhawks had to protect one or the other, meaning either Nicholas Jalmerson or Antti Niemi. And had Corey Crawford not been in the Blackhawks stable of goaltenders, I think it's possible they could have protected, the Blackhawks could have protected Antti Niemi at that time and lost Nicholas Jalmerson to the Sharks. Well, as it was, Crawford was in Rockford. He was ready to come up, and they decided, you know what, we got this kid Crawford. We like what we see in him. We'll protect Jalmerson and let the chips fall where they may. So Niemi goes to San Jose. Crawford is brought up the next season. He and uh, Marty Turco split the duties and eventually became Corey Crawford's net. And since that time, Corey has been really the recognized starter for the Blackhawks, save for this year when Robin Leonard got the lion's share of the goaltending duties, and then he gets traded to Las Vegas. So now Corey, Corey Crawford is your starter again. And I'm going to tell you this. Corey Crawford is at the end of his contract He's going to be a UFA at the end of the year. He is going to play his behind off in these playoffs because not only does he want to stay in Chicago, but he wants to be the starter in Chicago. And he doesn't want to see any drop off in his pay in order to get those other two things. So I think you're going to see, I really believe you're going to see the best of what Corey Crawford has to offer in goal for the Blackhawks. And keep in mind, he's been a guy that's been in net for the Blackhawks and won two Stanley Cups. So I think he's established a reputation and a pedigree. And I, I honestly, I can't wait to see 
that uh, that face-off of, of him facing against uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and, and the powerful Oilers team. I, I can't wait to see how he plays and how I, I expect him to elevate his game. You know, when, when it was the first announced, and we've known obviously for a couple of months that these two teams were going to be playing each other, and, and Kelly Rudy is on my show every week during the season, and he said, look, Reed, I, I favor the Oilers in the series, but Crawford in the, the 2020 part of the calendar has been outstanding. 930 mm-hmm. save percentage in January and then 927 in both February and March after a rough December where he had a he had an 889. So that I mean that's kind of how I look at it too. I mean look I, I I don't think I'm being a bit of a homer because the the Oilers simply had more points so I would favor them. But you know Crawford with the way he he finished the year and the experience he has, you know in a short series could he put the Hawks over the top? Yeah, certainly he's he's a guy that you know you could you could you could place your bets on him. Um, you know he's 35 years old. People will always ask that question when an athlete gets to that point in his career. Gosh, has he got anything left in the tank? But he one thing that Corey has is a competitive fire, and I believe that goaltenders are at their best in the in their 30s. Um, you go back and, and look at the statistics of all of the goaltenders over the last, let's say, 50 seasons in the National Hockey League. And I think you see that most of them are at their best when they're in their 30s. Corey's in the middle of his 30s. Uh, he's got two children now. So his life has changed. He's he's now a dad and a husband. And, you know, he's got these, these I'm sure he's got these thoughts in his head that, you know, I got to take care of my family, whatever it takes. So he's going to be super motivated. He's the kind of guy that works on his game tirelessly. And he loves this time of year, and I know he loves a challenge. He's going to get one coming up in a couple of days. And then with him not skating today, that's simply we're we're probably just going to get this with some players that they're they're unfit to skate that day, and then we see you don't sense there's anything bigger going on there. My guess is that he he, he was was not ready to start today for whatever the reason. My guess is that he will be there tomorrow. I was not. I did not have the opportunity to attend practice today, so I couldn't. I couldn't tell you firsthand. But uh, my guess is that by tomorrow, he will be ready to go. And uh, and you know, if it requires extra work, that that's what he'll put in. Um, you know, Malcolm Subban is the recognized backup now since the trade from Las Vegas. But uh, I think Corey is the recognized starter. I don't think there's any question about that. And the fact that he did not practice today, it's, that's not a red flag for me. That's just, okay, uh, you know, maybe there was something he had to take care of in his personal life. You would think that everybody would be there on time and there wouldn't be any excuses. But I think, you know, under the circumstances with everything that's going on, guys are going to miss from time to time. And you have to kind of give them a pass and let them come in when they're comfortable. John Weidman joining us on Inside Sports play-by-play voice for the Chicago Blackhawks, Edmonton, Chicago, August 1st. This is the longest I've ever been promoting a game, John. This is is like, (laughs) if people don't know it's on Chad and what time by the time it's August 1st, it's not my fault. Uh, Okay, so the Oilers, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl have not played together since since really uh, New Year's Eve. How do you think Chicago... Like, like, who would they check if they could only try to shut down one one of those two guys, wow. one of their lines? All right. 
Yeah, pick your poison there. Do you, do you, do you shut down Dreisaitl and uh, say, well, we'll just deal with McDavid, but we got to make sure that guy Dreisaitl doesn't hurt us? Or do you say, no, nah, we definitely got to shut down McDavid no matter what we do. Dreisaitl, yeah, he leads the NHL in scoring, but hey, we got to keep this guy McDavid in check. I mean, throw your hands in the air and say, okay, we just got to do the best job that we, we are possibly able to do. The one and two scorers in the National Hockey League, and these guys are both full of, you know, pee and vinegar. And, I mean, the, the strength that they have, the skating ability that McDavid has. And you have seen Dreisaitl play firsthand, so you know what a horse he is. Well, the rest of the league has found that out, too. So, uh, no mean feat trying to stop either of them. It's bad enough that you have to stop one but then having to stop, too. I guess the best strategy, you know, if I'm not the head coach, but if I was, the best strategy I would try to come up with in defending against those two guys is to do what Joel Quinville used to try and do whenever that they would face a team that, you know, had a couple of great skaters, and that was to deny them the puck. Find a way to make sure that you know, he doesn't get passes, he's not able to really get going in his stride because, you know, as you know, he can pick up the puck in his end of the ice, and in two strides, he can be at the far blue line and with speed. So it, it, it's going to be a real chess game trying to keep him off stride or keep him out of pace. I don't know if you can do it. Uh, I expect Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl both to get their points. I, I expect them both to be a factor in some way in the series. I don't know where this, this series is going to go because each team has strengths and weaknesses. I know that the Oilers had a great power play uh, for the longest part of the season. The Blackhawks' power play kind of went away. But, you know, here it is. It's the playoffs. It's like take all the records and everything that you've done up until that time and just throw it out the window because, you know, it, it, it's all going to matter, as we say. It's all going to matter August 1st when they drop the puck, you know, and start the playoffs. And isn't that weird? Start the Stanley Cup playoffs on August 1st. I mean, I don't recall ever saying that. Yeah, it's a strange one for sure. I'm going to ask you one more, John. And it, one of the cool things we've done on Inside Sports throughout the pause is we've we've featured a bunch of different play-by-play uh, -play -play guys from a variety of sports, including Chuck Swirsky, who calls Bulls games and used to do Raptors. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. I'm just going to ask you this for you: the the prospect of possibly calling games off a monitor and not being there it's it's going to be a little yeah. different for for everybody how are you preparing for that well you know what i i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and uh throw any uh, any shade on your question and i am gonna just let the, the listeners know that we expect to be in a, a studio someplace watching the game on a monitor um, and calling it from there now i'll stop right there and i'll say i hope the NHL um, has a plan as far as camera configuration is concerned to have one camera dedicated to one zone. Let's say if it's the Blackhawks and they're going from my right to my left, let's say the camera to my right is on the Blackhawks defensive zone. Then they have a dedicated camera for center ice. Then they have another dedicated camera uh, to the zone on the zone to my left which is the Blackhawks offensive zone and they never move those cameras and then that way we get a panoramic view of the rink and the action I'm hoping that's how they do it I'm hoping they they don't pan the camera back and forth because if they do that 
in the game of hockey, as you know, things can the puck can fly out of the picture at any moment. And you're going along doing your play-by-play, and all of a sudden you can't see the puck. You have no idea where it is. Well, the listeners are sitting there going, yeah, now what, right? So that's, that's an aspect of it that I'm hoping the league has figured out and, and taken care of. If they haven't, we're going to deal with it. And as far as calling the game off of the monitor is concerned, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Sure it is, because you're not in the arena. You're not there with your own peripheral vision looking down at the ice and seeing what's going on around the puck, but also being able to see to your left and to your right things that might be going on away from where the puck is. You're not, you may not have that. So I think you just do your best, and if you can convey excitement and uh, passion and it, it, you do the best as far as describing it is concerned, I think the listeners will be okay with that. And the one last thing I'll tell you, when you look down at that ice surface – and you look over all of those empty seats, hopefully everybody in the game of hockey and all of the fans that see those games and see all those empty seats, hopefully they'll all think, hey, we have to protect our sport. We have to make sure that we nurture our sport because we don't ever want to see a scenario where these guys are playing games in empty arenas ever again. That's that's really the, the thought that kept coming to my mind when I think about working from a from a booth, a studio, and looking down and calling the action and seeing all those empty seats. We got to protect our game to make sure that this never happens again. Yeah, well said, John. I, I will obviously be talking. I'm sure throughout the uh, throughout the postseason. It is always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm glad you're doing well. And uh, always great to, whenever we can bring up William the Refrigerator Perry in conversation, too. Have a good night, buddy. <laughs> Reed, I appreciate it, man. Have a great night, and thanks again for having me on. Always love having John on the show, legendary broadcaster for the Blackhawks, WGN Radio, and uh, he's going to be calling the other side of the qualifying round. Back after the break. You can text us 780-496-0063. This listener says, Reed, you have to joke about Connor saying he's excited for the opportunity to chase down a roster spot on the Olympic team. That's pure comedy gold. Yes, thank you, Texter. I, I, I would think Connor's being modest, and he is he's a favorite to make the Canadian Olympic team each of the next two Olympics. I also noticed a lot of you excited today on social media about Ryan Nugent Hopkins having a mustache. He is a beloved young man in this city. We'll go to Washington, talk about the name change when we get Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers back on the ice today. You can get more details, globalnews.ca, 630ched.com. Throughout the show tonight, you have heard a little bit from Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Dave Tippett, Bob Stoffer joined us. We just had John Weidman on the show from the Blackhawks play-by-play booth as we're all leading up to that August 1st game one between the Oilers and Chicago. Another storyline in the city of Edmonton and, uh, of course, one we talked about a lot on a couple of shows last week is will the Eskimos of the Canadian Football League 
change their name. Well, the Redskins of the National Football League in Washington announced today that they will indeed change the name. And to get the uh, mood around this in Washington and for a little more details on the story, we welcome from 106.7 The Fan in Washington. He hosts the pre- and post-game show for the uh, the Redskins. It is Grant Paulson. Grant, I, am I still, uh, first of all, thanks for coming on. My name is Reed. Uh, are, are they still referred to as the Redskins for the time being, what's the, the proper terminology for now? Yeah, I, I think each kind of outlet and each person's probably making up their own mind on that, Reed. There are a lot of companies and there are a lot of publications here in the States that have you know, for several years stopped calling them the Redskins, refer to them only as Washington in print or as the Washington Football Club. And as of this moment, their team name is still the Redskins. They sent out a press release today. Uh, they said that they will be changing the team name and logo they said they would the term they use would be retiring the name and the logo but that's not going to happen until the end of what is going to be a continuing review of that name and logo so as of this moment they're sticking with the redskins uh, on the air i'm still referring to them that way because that's their name and, and when they change their name uh that, that's when i'll call them whatever it is that they become but uh right now they are being advised by whoever it is that they're paying to give them advisement uh, that to change their name in the meantime to something other than the new name doesn't make sense. So until they have the new name, which they don't yet, uh, they're sticking with Redskins in their statements like the one they released today. So I'll ask you the loaded question here, and I know it. if you really went into detail, you might need more than the 25 minutes that are left in my show, but I'll throw you the, the question anyway. Uh, and obviously you being a radio host, you hear from a lot of different people. Is it possible to sum up what the last couple of weeks have been like and and what today has been like uh, in that city with the fan base now that they've come out and said they're going to make the change? Yeah, Reed, that is the right and the perfect question. And there's no doubt it would take a lot of time, but I guess the, the, the cliff notes, if you will, are that by and large, I think in the nation's capital, this fan base has known this day was going to come for a while. I think we're shocked with how quickly this all happened in the last two weeks, because for many years, there was really no movement or progress on this front. But I think a lot of people over the last decade or so felt like inevitably at some point in their lifetime, the team name would change. The fact that two and a half weeks ago, this was not a thought on anybody's mind, really. And now today, it looks like uh, the, the statement came out to say that maybe even by the start of the season, they won't be the Redskins anymore. I think that's somewhat stunning for people, Reed. But look, pe- people by and large are ready for the name to change. Uh, I would say there is a minimal amount of people, but there's certainly a faction in this fan base that is upset that it's happening and that doesn't want it to happen and that is frustrated that won't watch the games or are threatening not to like the NFL anymore. But I would say the vast majority of people are in two groups. One of those groups is that they want the name to change. They're endorsing a name change. The other is is a group that I think is probably uh, the most prominent, which is maybe they're not necessarily outside like picketing and and demanding that the name changes, but they understand it. They're perfectly fine with it. They get that this is part of a a bigger cultural conversation that's going on and they're not going to have any ill will or certainly not going to affect their fandom. So that's kind of how I would sum it up at this point, Reed. But today was more than anything else, I'd say a historical, but a sad day for people in town because they've, they've got a lot of memories of this team name and a lot of people are going to miss it. Obviously. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you, you do form a connection to it, even though if you, if you realize uh, it, it may be time to move on from it. And, and, and here in Edmonton, I think it's inevitable that, that the Eskimos name is is going to change. I don't know when or how that's going to happen. And uh, Grant, I mean, the, the CFL right now is supposed to be playing, and they aren't. So they got to make sure they have a league to, to come back to, I think, before they, they worry about the name issue. The, the owner of the Redskins, uh, Daniel Schneider, I mean, look, all I, I'm not there. All I know is that the only time I ever read about him for the last 21 years was when he defiantly said he wasn't going to change the name. Can you give us any insight into maybe what he's actually like and where that apparent defiance w- was coming from? Yeah, Reed, I'd, I'd love to give you insight from firsthand knowledge as someone who covered the beat of the team for many years and has been around the club since 1999 when he bought the team. But I can't really do that because he's unapproachable. There is no access to him. He does no interviews. He does not speak to the media. He hasn't for years and years and years. I, mean, I can count on one hand the number of interviews I think he's probably done in the last 10 or 12 years, and the vast majority of them are with outlets that the team has you know, relationships with and it's not like there, there's any kind of investigative journalism or hard-hitting questions being asked of him so what we know of him is kind of what we find out through other people and it's not particularly positive necessarily uh, what i can tell you though is this i don't believe that his opinion has changed from the 2013 story you just referenced in the usa today when he told the writer would ask him at the time about a name change that he would never change the team's name and that he could you know, the writer could put it in all caps. Uh, I still believe that if it's up to him, if it was just his call, he would not be changing the name. He is changing the name, not because fans or because people have asked him to, but for the sole reason that sponsors have now asked and maybe even stronger word demanded that he does. And, and that's why this name is changing. It's very much probably the right thing to do, as we talked about, uh, based on you know some of the uh, social a dialogue that's going on in the country and, and the fact that people are, are trying to become more cognizant of words that are unacceptable and, and pejoratives and, and things that maybe you know, just don't go over today like they did years and years ago. But I don't think Dan Snyder has had some epiphany or woken up to that. I think it's very simple. He has just come to the realization that if he doesn't change the name, it's going to affect him financially in a way that he's not prepared to allow it to. And so that's why he's changing the name. But uh, he didn't just decide a couple of days or a couple of weeks ago that he was wrong all along. Uh, I believe that he still wishes he could keep the team name as it is. Grant Paulson joining us on Inside Sports from 106.7 The Fan in Washington talking about the uh, NFL franchise uh, in the process of retiring the name Redskins and, and they will pick a new name. So let me go there. What are some realistic options for the next name of the Washington NFL team? Yeah, so I think that's probably the most important thing now, Reed, is that they get this right. Because as I said, I think the vast majority of people in town are okay with the name change. You're going to get a small collection of people who don't fit into that group. But they all want to know now, okay, well, what's the name going to be? I think you can win over some of those people who are upset still with a good name and a good logo that's exciting this can become a positive this can become a jolt you know of of some intensity and pizzazz and excitement for a team with a fan base that is somewhat dwindling after years and years of not succeeding and 
and somewhat dormant right now. I mean, they haven't won a championship since you know, 1991. So I believe that the, the names, read that right now fans like the most are uh, the Washington Red Wolves has gotten a lot of traction on social media. seems to be a fan favorite. The Washington Red Tails, which would pay homage to the Tuskegee Airmen here in the United States uh, uh, from uh, years and years ago, a group of people in a collection of, of uh, heroes in wartime that you know, just doesn't get the credit they deserve. And, and Ron Rivera, who's very much got a military background, wants to honor the military with the name if he can, from what we've been told. I think another name that, that could be popular is the Warriors. You're going from Redskins to Warriors, so I don't know if that'll be deemed as maybe going far enough, but certainly a possibility. So those are the, the few that I think stick out to me as, as the top three. But there are a bunch of other names that are being banted about, and nobody really knows how they're leaning at this point. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, from discussing this here in Edmonton last week with, with our team, and, and, and Grant, I, I don't expect you to – maybe you do, but I never expect uh, somebody from the States to know a lot about the CFL. But our logo is simple. It's a double E, which has represented Edmonton Eskimos, and the colors are green and gold. So I was saying – if if they change the name, I would I, I, like I would demand that the colors stay the same, and I would hope the logo could be similar or or the same. Uh, like, are, do you anticipate that the next Washington team would? Keep, I know they'll have to change the logo, obviously, but do you anticipate they'd want to keep the colors as is? So that's the the huge debate in town, and we've talked about this for all purpose probably a couple hours over the last few days on the radio station. And believe it or not, I mean, again, you're, you're talking about no consensus, right? There's very passionate people on both sides. My opinion is that they should keep the colors, which clearly are not offensive and are not a pejorative and don't need to be changed like the name and the logo in 2020. I think you pay homage to the organization in the past, and you give the people that don't want to see everything change and to feel like it's a brand-new team you know, a little bit of a reason to feel like they're still celebrating uh, what was the Washington Redskins, the team name and, and logo and color, so to speak, of the last nearly 80 years. Uh, that having been said, people will tell you that if you change the name and the logo, you can't keep the colors because those colors belong to the Redskins and you, you just kind of put a fresh coat of paint on this thing and it's a new chapter. And I understand that logic. What I've been told from the people that I've talked to over the last week is that as of the last time they'd heard from high-ranking officials, the plan was that they wanted to keep the colors, that they did want to stay burgundy and gold and keep a similar look. But that might also have to do with the name, right? I mean, if you're the Red Wolves or the Red Tails, it might be easier to keep that kind of off-red burgundy color than if you become something else entirely. And, and maybe the name will dictate whether or not they can keep their look. Do you think there's going to be a problem, just to keep it on, on, on NFL terms, do you think there's going to be an issue here with the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, the logo is the arrowhead, um, or is that – I mean, I, to me, to me, it's clearly not on the same level as, as Redskins, but maybe they're going to get lumped, in, lumped into this. Is there any sort of that traction south of the border? Yeah, my opinion would be that the Chiefs should be okay. I mean, as I'm sure you guys have heard, you know, the Cleveland Indians have done some investigating now and looked into their own name. And last I heard, you know, the Atlanta Braves, same thing, came out and said they're not going to be changing their name among some other organizations. Uh, I, I believe that the Chiefs are fine, you know, in terms of whether or not they'll be pressured to change their name. I'm not giving necessarily my opinion on the name or not, but I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of blowback and pushback. We have callers that call in and say, well, what about this team or that team? And, and my point to them is always, you know, the term Redskins 
whether everybody agrees with this or not, has been deemed inappropriate. And it is a term, as I always say to people, I've never used that term in my life outside of football. I wouldn't. Would you call someone that name? You wouldn't, unless they're playing for the Washington football team as a cornerback or a running back or something. But because of that, you know, there aren't many terms, you know, that you that just aren't used outside of football because they are viewed as derogatory. The Redskins are in their own category in that regard. So, I wouldn't link them to the Chiefs or some of those other teams. Uh, I don't have a good answer for you, but what I would say, Reed, is that we have decided as a society here that the term Redskins is uh, a pejorative, and, and I don't know of any other team names that are considered that at this point. Before I let you go, you're, you're on in a Canadian market that's going to be a hub city for the playoffs. The Capitals want to get here because the Easter final and the Stanley Cup final are going to be played in Edmonton. Grant, give me a couple of capital storylines heading into the, uh, well, the qualifying round for some teams, round robin for others, and then then into the postseason. Yeah, my sincerest hope is that they get to play for a while in Edmonton at the end of this thing. Among the storylines, Alex Ovechkin was en route to winning an outright Rocket Richard for the ninth time. He ended up tying for the league-leading goals. Uh, will he pick up where he left off? You're talking about the greatest goal scorer of his era and maybe the greatest goal scorer of all time. Uh, another storyline will be the age and the, just the veteran savvy of this team. They've been in the playoffs more often than not, basically 10 of the last uh, 12 years, I believe, at this point. And if you go back through the, the history in the annals year after year of, of playing generally up to the, the late second round, obviously they make the cup run a couple of years ago. These guys are battle-tested and really know how to withstand the rigors of the postseason, but they've never been fresh going into the playoffs like they will now. Some other teams will have that same benefit, but I think teams with some age like the Capitals could really uh, be a, a beneficiary from that. And the last thing I would say is that, that the goaltending position Braden Holtby had really taken on water midway through the season. He is very likely not going to be on the team next year. He's a legend here in town and former Vesna winner. And he's a guy that will basically uh, take them as far as they'll go. I mean, as he plays, so go their chances. So I think if he's hot and locked in and, and puts together a string of a few great weeks of hockey, they've got as good a chance as anybody to win the cup. They were the best team in the East Circuit to circuit up until those final few weeks when clubs like Boston uh, and Tampa Bay had caught them and the Flyers were nipping at their heels. But we're really excited here in town to see this team again. We felt like they were built to have a chance to win a cup, and, and that got taken away. But it's a great thing that hockey's coming back now, and we'll get a good look at whether or not they can make another deep run. Grant, I really appreciate your insight. Thanks for telling the, the story there from uh, firsthand right from in Washington, and good to hear your hockey thoughts as well. We'll have to talk again. All the best with your show this week and uh, into the NHL playoffs and, of course, into the NFL season two, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Reed. Take care, and everybody be safe. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate you. Good stuff. That is Grant Paulson checking in from 106.7 The Fan in Washington, pre- and post-game show host for the Washington, whatever they will be called, uh, and for the Capitals as well. So you heard his uh, story there that, for the most part, people in Washington uh, understand that it's time to come up with uh, a new name for the Redskins, and that is indeed where the team is headed. 780-496-0063. Quick timeout. Inside Sports on check.
right, Cowtown Bob texting in. He says, hey, Reed, uh, great interview with the guy from Washington. Yeah, thanks, Cowtown Bob. Enjoyed talking to Grant Paulson. Roadhammer says, I think the uh, new name of the uh, team should be the Washington Red Tails. That would be kind of a cool-sounding name, kind of an airplane theme that they could go along with. Uh, Rocket says, Reed, do you think building designs for teams not get in the NHL will rethink spacing between seats or we will overcome this, find a vaccine and move on as usual. I believe we will move on. Yeah, that's a good question, Rock. I guess if you're talking about stadium design for large stadiums, I, I don't know if they're going to be designed with pandemics in mind. Maybe they would have, maybe there'd be efforts to try to find areas where you could have more spacings at concessions and in washrooms, but stadiums are, are big as as they are and you only have so much room to build if you're building in a large urban area it, it's it, to me the, the storyline here is when do fans come back when can we have full houses again uh are, are fans going to be advised or will there, or will there even be a mask rule perhaps for uh for fans attending games if you want to look at nhl nba NFL, Major League Baseball, um, and I suppose even, even um, you know, Alberta Junior Hockey League, WHL, that, that need to have fans in the building will, especially initially, might there be some sort of a mask, uh, mask policy. Anyway, something to keep in mind here and still a lot to be written with, uh, with how we deal with this pandemic. Mike Smith, goaltender for uh, the Edmonton Oilers asked today, uh, any reservations about their return to play in the NHL? You know, I think there's, there's a thousand thoughts that go through guys' minds, especially when it comes to leaving their family and some uncertainty as to the health and safety uh, aspect of it, uh, being in the bubble and, and stuff like that. A lot of questions that kind of got un- unanswered or got muffled a little bit. So obviously it was a big decision for me um, being a big family guy and, and having kids that kind of understand what's going on right now. I had, I had some pretty upset kids when I, when I had taught, I told them I was, I was going to Edmonton and they were staying back. So um, that was, that was a hard, hard choice and hard decision. And, and I think the uncertainty of not knowing, you know, when you're going to see them again is, is probably the hardest thing. And, and uh you know, good thing for FaceTime and, and Zoom calls and stuff like this, just so you can, you know, keep in touch with them and, and show your face. And, uh, but like you said, obviously a hard decision and, but one that uh, ultimately came down to, you know, whether I wanted to keep my career going and I want to play this game that I love as, as long as I can and, and feel like I still have a lot to give. So that was ultimately what it came down to. All right, Oilers goaltender Mike Smith on the ice today. All right, the Oilers will skate again tomorrow, 11 a.m. All their skates now, or at least the ones scheduled coming up, are going to be at the downtown community rink. Rogers Place has to be turned into an NHL-operated facility. It will be the NHL logo or logos displayed on the ice service. You won't see the uh, Oilers logo, and it's as it's technically going to be a, a neutral site, and uh, the Oilers you know, may not even have use of their dressing room, at least not for all of their games. So we'll see how that plays out along the way as well. Hey, good show tonight, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You heard from the Nuge, from McDavid, Mike Smith, Dave Tippett, Zach Cassian, Bob Stoffer was on the show, John Weidman, and also Grant Paulson from Washington. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. I'll be back with Inside Sports from six to eight. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Your studio producer this evening is Kellen Kennedy. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Take care.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.